Crotop. 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 Film Squawk. A Star is Born. Directed by Bradley Cooper, 2018. At the height of addiction, a famous musician falls for an unknown singer and both helps and hinders her star from rising. Oh, hey, Cassidy. Hey, Stacy. Hello. How's everyone feeling? I'm feeling spry. <laughs> I'm feeling a little puffy in my eyes. Yeah, my throat's a little garbly. Oh, yeah. Rochelle's a little sick. Rochelle's a little sick. Stacey's and Lex's a little sick, but she sounds better now. And Cassidy puff- is ray of fucking sunshine. <laughs> She's for excellent Yeah, That's me. <laughs> Stacy has puffy eyes because we bawled at the movie. At the to movies? The point, at the movies at last the movies. night. Ooh. This movie that we're about to talk about. Like, to the point that I was, like, I feel like, like about to, like, puke, but it was, like, <laughs> sobs. <laughs> I didn't want to, like, audibly be like, oh. Was it silent? Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to it envision really this. Silent. It, it was, was silent. silent. And was it pretty or ugly? Or pretty ugly? Or crying? Yeah. Mine oh, was mine not was pretty. Mine was so ugly. I like didn't have any tissues. Stacy got like a handful <laughs> of napkins. And that's because I, I also have a snot thing going on. So I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, she's got a snot thing going on. So that's fine. And then like halfway through the movie, I was like, she's oh. like, oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you had to like roll up your sleeves because yeah. they were and it soaking was ugly. wet. Like yes. to the point I was like holding it in because I thought I was going to be like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. There were a few moments where I was like, because oh. if I exhaled, you could hear the cry. And yeah. Him. And yeah. I like breathed really weird a few times. Like I feel kind of bad for the guy that was sitting like a seat away from me because I'm sure he heard me being like, <laughs> like just trying to hold in my crying. I'm sure he was doing everything he could to also hold it in. I know. How hard did you cry? I didn't cry hard. I was sitting forward in my seat, like inspired mm-hmm. more than I was crying. Uh, but everyone in Portland's living room theater was bawling their eyes out. Mm. As they should. The credits rolled and it was like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of it's like, wow. <laughs> Gosh, bunch of class. I like for Little one class. second going into the film, forgot who directed it, and then I was like, "Oh, well, I'll find out." With the credits, <laughs> and then she was just like smacked with the credits. Where I was like, <laughs> like "Fuck you, Bradley Cooper!" I, I so was much. even just recording the intro, and I said, "Directed by Bradley Cooper." And you're like, <laughs> "I like cried a little bit." In Holding my heart. it back. Yeah. Ow. Wow. Okay, so outside of that incredible yay. <laughs> What are some reasons, some yay, yay, yays to see A Star is Born? I'll take this one. <laughs> take it away. Um, uh, many yays. It's hard to choose. Um, but I was so inspired by Bradley Cooper's directing that I can't handle. I can't handle it. And Bradley Cooper. Two stars were born. My yay is the two like storylines where it gave you like a seed of hope at the very beginning knowing that the whole situation was hopeless and so it was like the two dynamics of the different characters like pulling at away from each other but still being like together in the same life experience like the tension between the storylines yeah the tension between the two storylines and how like wrapped up i was in it and i typically don't like a story where i know the ending's gonna be like tragic but we don't know yet that yet unless someone's watched it okay this is the fourth time it's been made but (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Spoiler <laughs> alert from 1934. <laughs> Good point. Um, okay, yeah. And I did not know what the storyline was exactly as just like an ignorant person going in. 
mm-hmm. Stacy. I thought it was going to be tragic. So usually when <laughs> I can like tell something or, you know, it's like seated or I feel like something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. It like disconnects me kind of from it. But this somehow like just pulled me the mm-hmm. fuck in. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to cry during this podcast. I loved it I so know. much. So that's mm-hmm. my one yay. I'm with Stacy. I have like oh, so a many, million. So many yays. <laughs> and my yay is Lady Gaga. I think it wasn't so much because I forgot that it was Lady Gaga, though a lot of people in articles are talking about how much she disappeared into the role. It wasn't really that case for me, uh, and that didn't matter. I was just blown away by her subtlety and the nuance that she brought to this character, to Allie, and beyond even how you know they played together, which was incredible. Just her on her own. Um, as as the star, technically, um, it was so understated and just still uh, blew me away. So, Lady Gaga is my yay. Yeah, that is a <sighs> solid yay. I, I cried know. more because of Lady Gaga than like any themes of the movie. It was just like anytime she sang, like the woman can move me to tears with mm-hmm. her voice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thanks, Lady Gaga. Love you, Lady Gaga. Okay, I can say it normal. Gaga. Out of respect. Gaga. Makes me think of Dirty Dancing. Gaga. Oh, okay. <laughs> the heartbeat. <laughs> so, though, obviously, lots of yays to have to prune through there. Uh, what about some nays? One nay from each of us for maybe a reason not to go out and see The Stars Born. If you're hospitalized, you should probably not go... <laughs> to see this um, if you have pink eye or are allergic to crying if you have diarrhea <laughs> and a fever oh my gosh like go with the food service rule of thumb don't go to the movies i really enjoyed the ending of the 1976 version of stars born there are things about that that i really loved mm-hmm. that weren't present in this version so i have a slight preference for that ending mm-hmm. but it's not that i like them more i guess that they're they're on the same level but there were just like one or two, there was like one thing in the end, it's the ending. And it's mainly because mainly because of Barbara Streisand that I loved that ending and how the camera didn't move for like almost 10 minutes. So that's my like weak ass nay. My weak ass nay is so weak ass and like so nitpicky. It's that the first time Bradley and Lady Gaga sing together there's no fucking way that Bradley could have known the end of that song as well as he did when they performed it on stage, period. But that's seriously such a dumb nay. Like, go see it unless you're, like, right out of surgery. Like, if you're in the OR, <laughs> I get it. You can't see it. Yeah. You're under anesthesia. If you just had, like, an appendectomy, get the fuck to the movie theater. Happy. Get out there. <laughs> My weak-ass nay is, like, a non-nay because it's double-sided. So I would say that if you refuse to look at either love stories or abuse, specifically substance abuse, if you refuse to look at those in a gray manner, if you only see those types of stories in black and white, you probably will not enjoy this film. I still think you should see it because I think you should get over yourself. But yeah, that would be a reason for me. that someone maybe wouldn't enjoy the film. So you mentioned already, Cassidy, that this is the fourth iteration 
of A Star is Born, the 1937 version featuring Janet Gaynor and Frederick March, uh, 1954 version with Judy Garland and James Mason. Both of those were about actors. And then the 1976 version brought music into the picture with Barbra Streisand and Chris Christopherson, which then Bradley and Stephanie took to the next level, the 2018 level. Which I didn't expect going in. I thought it was going to be like a remake of the 76 version. So Mm. I expected it to be like set in the 70s, Mm. which the previews don't really, to me, the previews didn't give away that it was set now. Right. Well, her style is not necessarily current. You know, she's not really conscious of that. Her character, Allie, is not really thinking about style. So it does sort of have this removed from time look for me, at least from the preview. Yeah, I just didn't expect it. it to be set today which was like an amazing pleasant surprise Mm -hmm. well and they have been trying to make this fourth installment for quite a long time (laughs) it makes me laugh because Clint Eastwood had a trailer in the I don't even know what the trailer was some like drug smuggling shit I don't care but with Bradley Cooper was Bradley Cooper in it yes he was in that trailer oh I don't remember because I was rolling my eyes so hard at Clint Eastwood I just yeah, I, Stacey and I just looked at each other and I was like, does he kind of seem like a dick? And then she had this crazy tweet that he had sent out or something. We just like had a moment of being like, does Clint Eastwood maybe suck a little bit? Like, is he kind of like, whatever, hashtag me too movement. You know what I mean? Like, just we were like having thoughts of that going in. And so I thought it was really hilarious when I got home and read that Clint Eastwood was supposed to direct this version mm-hmm. and like cast Beyonce. I'm like, what? Well, and... He went through a bunch of other individuals, right? But then he eventually cast Bradley. Mm -hmm. Right. And so at least he had the ability to bring Bradley in on this. Though it is compelling to think about how, you know, Will Smith had this first and was going to, he was going to go forward with like J-Lo. Oh my or God. Alicia Keys. This was that was what I read. Was that was first. Tom Cruise is another one that he considered. Well, yeah. After Will Smith. (laughs) Um, no longer was involved. Uh, Cassavetes was given the film, and that is when Beyonce or Rihanna were going to get involved. And then Beyonce stayed on for quite a while, and then Clint replaced Cassavetes, and then shopped, you know, Russell Crowe, Robert Downey Jr., Eddie Murphy, Leo, Bale, Cruz, Eminem. And then when Beyonce could no longer move forward because of her pregnancy in 2012, they looked at like Selena Gomez and Janelle Monet. And eventually when Bradley heard Lady Gaga's performance of La Vie en Rose. Oh my God, this movie is so (laughs) meta. (laughs) Well, and it seems organic. Well, Gaga talks about that, how he would like interview her. He spent like hours interviewing Lady Gaga to like understand her experience in the industry Mm -hmm. so he could write it correctly. (laughs) So I I find it fascinating that I guess there is sort of a timetable on this since we're remaking it every few decades. Mm -hmm. Um, And they say that a new new star is born for each generation um, I have no idea what it would have looked like in the 90s because <laughs> we kind of skipped oh that. What right? would it have looked like? Can we just talk? It would have been like Faith Hill. <laughs> I 
not Big Hill. So do I. But I'm just trying to think of like who was Brittany. Big. Oh, oh, maybe even Britney. I don't know if it would have been Britney maybe. in the nineties. I mean, she was so big. she was so big in the nineties. Like that's all I can think of when I think of the nineties. I think of or like yeah. late nineties. I guess it's just soiled for me now because I've seen Bradley and Lady Gaga do it. Right. So I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> There's true. There's no other actors <laughs> that could have done these. Britney, roles. who, 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 Britney, what? Who? Yeah. I don't know. Like Beyonce is a far-fetched one for me too. Like I can't. I don't know. Again, I've just been tainted by seeing this beautiful film. <laughs> no, there's nobody else that could have done it. <laughs> I, yeah, I was very. I was fascinated to find out the, the history, not only just with the first three films, but definitely with the other stars that were potentially attached and how it had transitioned from actors to musicians and. I'm wondering, you know, moving forward in 20 years, will it be a different, mm-hmm. a different creative outlet um, that we'll be looking at? Mm-hmm. Like, will it be like TV. reality TV stars? I know, like I the mean, Emmys. It is, it is interesting, <laughs> yeah, because in the old, yeah. in the first two versions, she's an actress, mm-hmm. which I can't even like fathom. I'm like, well, what did she do then? Like, how did that last scene go? But I didn't watch it. I didn't do my research there. I just read about the old versions yeah i watched the judy garland version and i wished that i had watched the janet gaynor version um after watching it mm-hmm. because it's three hours long <laughs> and it's just judy garland singing because yeah. that was the soup du jour in the 50s those huge mgm productions right and she just broke into a song all the time which is lovely <laughs> i love judy she's amazing and she was a star like it makes sense. Like she is the right person for that film at that time, but it was a lot of singing. If you remove her singing, you have like a cool ninety-minute film. <laughs> oh my goodness! Also, fun fact: internet that I didn't know. Liza Minnelli is Judy Garland's daughter. I never knew that. I just found out last night. I wow, blew Cassidy's wow, wow. mind. Oh my goodness! That's what deep dive will do on the internet. You can find out all sorts of crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Just a deep dive into Stacy's brain. <laughs> I'm on the deep end. I'm far from the shallows. Treading <laughs> Second water. time. So <clears throat> this film's been made four times. Mm-hmm. And therefore, one could say it's fairly classic in, in the plot and how the plot unfolds. You know, we don't get any gender reversal if Will Smith had continued to be attached that was the idea, is it was going to be gender reversal. Okay. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Isn't Thank that you awesome? for saying that because the second I saw his name, I'm like, well, I know he like released some albums in the 90s, but really? <laughs> no, the so gender it was going to be total gender cool reversal. Idea. And um, if anybody remembers J-Lo in the early 2000s. And oh, I remember. Like, big deal, man. Just such a big deal. She was She's huge. still a, a big deal yeah. completely, but in a different way. And so I, this this film doesn't, do that it doesn't create a gender reversal um just as none of the others did before um and it's 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 still its own but it's still using the primary device and so i'm i'm curious what we think about the idea of of these stories that we live and how we want to tell them and how we want to keep telling them again and again and again it's Mm -hmm. like what bradley cooper's character says is it what is his name again? John John Jackson Jackson, Jackson Maine. Thank you. Um, what he says, but the brother recites it in the film where it's like we're the same twelve notes all the time, repeated forever. It's just like mm-hmm. how you interpret those twelve notes, and that's the exact same device for the film for storytelling. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
These are definitely my favorite meta. 12 notes. These notes were so beautiful. <laughs> I read somewhere, I have the link, we'll put it in the post, but I read that the film was actually, some speculate that the film was actually based on this movie from 1920-something, maybe mm. early 30s, called What Price Hollywood? And that's where you first saw this structure. And then they lifted it. And it continued on. So it's actually, this is the fifth iteration. Interesting. What and is I that one about? I would have, uh, it's a similar structure of okay. this woman who comes to Hollywood, who doesn't know anyone, and it's her rise, this man's decline. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the same story. And they so said that that film was also inspired by people in Hollywood too. Like John Barrymore, Drew Barrymore's grandfather, mm -hmm. all these famous people that have this, this story is just Hollywood's story. It's a good reminder. I think like especially to us young millennials that are like yeah movie making and fame and mm -hmm. it's a harsh slap of reality or to, you know to just remember like what the price of fame is and I liked the different nuances that they brought to the table with that with like Gaga kind of like or Ali mm -hmm. sacrificing her heart a little bit uh, meaning just like her substance for like mm -hmm. becoming a pop star, you know? And I feel like if you've ever watched the Lady Gaga documentary on Netflix, go do it. <laughs> um, but I feel like, yeah, that a lot of that just came from her like real life history going through the industry and like the isolation of it too for a star her, of her magnitude. In her documentary, she talks about how like she, it's hard for her to date because she's such a powerful woman. Men can't like, handle it not to say men can't just like people can't handle that sometimes I think in their partner and oh, I just loved how meta it was so mm -hmm. Gaga was like going through that as Bradley Cooper is going through the exact opposite of just mm -hmm. like falling off and still trying to support the woman he loves but like not like his number one love is performing mm -hmm. with integrity you know that was a big deal for him too is yeah. not losing your voice which the other films definitely didn't address like this film did was talking about um not losing who you are in fame which is something that she sort of walked the line something that stuck out to me because obviously lady gaga is a pop star and mm -hmm. obviously being a pop star therefore it does not have to be shallow but you get a lot of flack from the jack character when Allie continues forward as the pop star that she always was. She wasn't the same type of alt-country star that he was. She doesn't sing the same way as him. She didn't, like, he didn't even meet her in any place that would even be resembling an alt-country environment. And so to think that she is going to approach it the same way as him would be foolish. As well, he... Ha obviously loved the way that she saw those 12 notes, how she sang them specifically and what she said about them. So I had a hard time with the piece of the film that made him suddenly frustrated at her for going pop and automatically saying that essentially that that was lesser and that she wasn't being authentic. Um, and I think that just came directly from Lady Gaga, like after seeing her documentary. I feel like that was written in probably based off of how she felt like 
because I know she felt like she sacrificed part of her set. Like that's where all the big costumes and stuff come in with like her theatrics at the beginning um, because it was a way to like sidestep the like little blonde hot pop star. Like she's talked about that before. So maybe that was just me interpreting it with that background knowledge too of like, oh yeah, Lady Gaga felt this way. It's hard to like unlock Lady Gaga and Allie mm-hmm. too. Like sometimes I want to, she's very like adamant about that in her <laughs> interviews. She's like, hey, everybody, I'm not Allie. So mm-hmm. remember that. And I'm like, oh, you're Allie. Cool. <laughs> Same person. Got <laughs> Same it. Saw story. that documentary. Goodbye. But Allie but, does own it. Like she does, she's like, yes, I'm doing this. This is my choice. Right. And it's definitely punctu- it, punctuating that against. Comparing that to the Judy Garland version, there is a moment where she has a makeover. She's going to meet the producer. And oh, when these she gets like to doctors, the, to the makeup artists, they look like doctors. And they're like inspecting her under a uh, magnifying glass. And they're like, your nose is awful. We'll give you a Crawford mouth and a da-da-da eyebrow. And she comes out painted. And then um, Friedrich March's character... What is his character? Norman Maine. He's Norman Maine in the Garland version. He literally makes her wash her face. She she washes it off. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated in the new version, she was very in control, which was a big difference to the 50s version, obviously. Yeah. Like she, Judy Garland had no agency. She was not in control of that story where Gaga was like, yeah, I'm doing this. And I feel like Gaga was problem. in control. Like, I feel like for me, that's part of where that my pro of the movie where that tension came in was it was like even when she stepped on stage the first time I feel like it was still like for herself you know it was Mm -hmm. it was this like grappling between like she loves the man but also like she wants to pursue her career you know so it was like for him but for her so amazing and I feel like the film did a really subtle but good job at kind of hitting on those points where it was like she was making these decisions herself with her own agency understanding still that that might mean she can't make all the decisions right away. You know, it was like she was navigating it all in her own control instead of like Judy Gar. I don't know. It was still, it wasn't like a woman's success built through a man to me for some reason. Oh yeah. I completely agree. And she set it up from the beginning. I mean, when we first see her perform, she's painted her hair with literal paint and she's put tape eyebrows on. And then when She's confronted by Jack at the end of that scene. And she's like, no, these are tape eyebrows. And then she takes them off. And then she doesn't want to go out in the painted hair because it's just not her. I mean, they set it up from the beginning that she's okay dressing up to play a part on stage because that's how she's also singing and getting out there and, and being herself on stage by also getting to play a role. They set that up very well. And so then when she says she won't bleach her hair, I didn't take it as she ref- she's refusing to change her image. I saw that as her not wanting to be a bottle blonde, which is a great callback to Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's where I'm like, I've seen this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then when she ends up with this wacky orange hair, which is so reminiscent of other pop stars throughout the years who have just done really interesting, wild things with their look, you don't question whether or not they're who they are. They just now have purple or blue mm-hmm. or red or orange hair. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, I just never really saw it as her losing herself. I saw it as her getting her feet wet in a new industry and her, for herself, a new aspect of this industry and dancing around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, for like potentially for Bradley Cooper's character, it wasn't just about 
him feeling like pop was vapid or anything. It was about like your career's ending and watch this like spring chicken taking off. You know, I think it was more than that for Bradley's character. You know, it wasn't just like, I think you're stupid for, you know, because he still did. He admired her so much. And even like when he went to her dance class and was sober or her dance workout, whatever, in training to be a pop star. (laughs) Uh, But when he showed up there, he was like so willing to watch her. And it's like, you're beautiful. You're amazing. (laughs) So I feel like for him, it was almost grappling with himself more than grappling with Gaga's character Mm -hmm. because he was just like going down. Well, yeah, and his had a lot to do with his hearing, mm-hmm. his God. tinnitus, and also, you know, his alcoholism. And I, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Obviously, his father struggled, um, and that's a part of his history. And it's obviously been a part of his present and past, as anyone would say who had encountered him. And so he wasn't firing on all cylinders, and he's losing his capacity his faculties to be the musician that he once was. And that's his true love. Like he's losing his true love, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, he has this woman and Dave Chappelle's like, hold on to her. She's your way out. And so I think he was like, okay, I'm going to take this advice from this man and try to hold on to her. Not that he was using her, you know, but I think he wanted out of at least the addictive part of his life. But, but he's still an addict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that I think is another place that this story diverged and got to delve a little bit further into um, another layer, which then calls into question whether this is a story about uh, like a music industry melodrama or if this is a story about love or if this is a story about addiction. And that's why I appreciated the, the gray nuanced aspects of just having those questions even in play in what very clearly could be described as a music industry melodrama. Mm-hmm. Just that is just, it pulls all the right heartstrings. It hits all the right notes, literally, mm-hmm. uh, to really create a response in the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, for some viewers, um, I read some responses on Medium. They are livid. They are livid. They think that this, it's, not a love story. They're having an incredibly visceral reaction to the to the addiction and what they see as abuse in this film. That he's abusing her or mm-hmm. he's... Su- Just abusive. Abu- okay. Abusing substances, abusing her, and it's going so far in these, in these articles that I was reading, and I just was trying to hold both sides, you know, because then you're also reading the response, like, from people from the industry, film reviews, music reviews, the... The actual album debuted at number one, making Lady Gaga like the first female to have five number one Billboard top 200 hits uh, in the history of forever. Her and Taylor Swift were previously tied for four, and that's for females. There are other there are male stars who hold more. I think like Drake has eight or something crazy like that. But so you're seeing all these really fantastic, propellant, positive outcomes for the film, and then there are people who are seeing it completely different. I mean, I could see that, like, depending on what your own experience is with abuse or substance abuse, you know, if you had to, like, live that with somebody, depending on how extreme it could be, like, I could understand, because this movie is visceral, and it, like, sinks deep. Like, I don't know, the realism that was brought to the screen 
and I agree with Stacy. It was Bradley Cooper's amazing directing plus the acting. Um, I could see that being like a hard response. And I also think it's interesting that like, and I'm, it's only occurring to me now that the response to Bradley Cooper's addiction was like, you're going to ruin your wife's career and you've made a joke of her because you're an addict and that's us as society. Like, don't fucking be an addict in the public eye or you're going to ruin everybody's lives involved instead of being like, hey, hey, society, guess what? We have addicts. Not to say that, like, the scene at the Grammys and all that, that was atrocious and really hard to watch. But I don't know. It's just occurring to me right now. I'm like, what an interesting response as a society that we would rather, like, keep the alcoholic husband in the closet and, like, dote on the pretty white or the pretty woman, you know, whatever, instead of looking at her as a supportive wife for staying with him. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm rambling. So many different perspectives to consider. Yeah. I wonder if there was a bias there from those reviewers with Lady Gaga because she's Lady Gaga. That was a risk casting her because she's so big. You know, it's easy to lose. For me, I think it's easier to lose yourself in a film if you don't know the people to some degree, you know, because there's they're not bringing anything in. They're just fresh. And Lady Gaga is bringing so much in. When she calls her fans her little monsters. So I can see some people having holding this bias that they don't even really necessarily understand. I wonder if that plays into it. Or I wonder how this film would have been had it not been Lady Gaga. And maybe even Bradley Cooper. He's huge now too. He's freaking Bradley Cooper. They're so big. Oh my God. Bradley Cooper. His voice, his voice in this movie. Sorry, but what the fuck? I know. They are big and they're doing radically different things that now have converged and it forces it into the mainstream. It forces it into the limelight. It asks us to look at the story and say, what do you see? How does this impact you? What are your feelings? What are your experiences? How do they measure up? You know, you've got Bradley Cooper, who has been very forthright in his previous, in his life of alcohol and drug addiction. He's been very clear about that. Um, he battled, he battles that uh, when you're in recovery, you're always in recovery. And so I can see why this character would be just so alluring to dive into because not only are you diving into a character but you're you're really learning more about yourself i would think at the same time and same for lady gaga getting to re-experience this this climb this uphill climb i guess bradley cooper said this story is what it would have been like for you if you had gotten famous at 31 instead of 21 if the world had made you wait so i i see that i do also get concerned because we are seeing an addict on screen very vividly and he has one very very specific meltdown where he treats Allie like absolute garbage like a true garbage pail and in these articles I'm reading people are annihilating Jack's character the character Jack saying how how abusive he is is this the argument where he calls her ugly? Yeah. And so, and, I, and I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to hold everyone's perspective. 
and I do see what they're saying if it were repeated. I would I would definitely understand if this were a perpetual situation, if we were watching this behavior again and again and again, if he was trying to wield some sort of power over her, he has no power. No. And so, he understands that. He, like that's why he, he leaves the planet. Because he understands where the power is, you know, and that he's like, I don't know, to me that was like he understood he lost his power through the addiction. And he chose her power over his own. Yeah, and so it was just it really called a lot of things into question for me. As as these types of conversations and reactions and responses do, uh, it just you know if she were to have if Ali were to have called his his behavior abusive, I would hold that differently because she is in charge of naming her situation. But to look at a at a scene where someone has a meltdown, a person who is completely failing and flailing and is at the height of addiction saying the worst most ugly things they've ever said and showing the true colors of how they feel about themselves and reflecting it onto the person they love most just like he did with his brother this knee-jerk reaction that someone has when they are ruined and then they lash out and hurt the people that love them I have such a hard time calling that abuse. It's self-abuse. I mean, it, 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 it is self-abuse. It's definitely mistreatment. And if it happened mm -hmm. again and again and again in a relationship, it would be abusive. Yeah, I have a really hard time holding that just because, I don't know, I've had worse arguments with that than that with my husband. You know, it's just like... People say shit stuff to each other yeah. and everyone regrets it. And we're like mm -hmm. out of this, like bullshit like cinematic hollywood era where like we're not trying to depict realism like now we're in realism i feel like like even in the 90s and early aughts films were not being produced in the same way where we're like exploring the whole spectrum of human emotion and like the different nuances that you know it's not so like scripted anymore so yeah i didn't find his character abusive at all though again i've never been in a situation with an alcoholic or an addict like that but um yeah i found it complex i found it codependent and uh, the, yeah. uh, the ton i found it you know a, a very accurate depiction of humanity but she made it clear i'm not coming back she wasn't going to keep going back if this is how it was going to be she was like next time i'm not coming back yeah she never so came across as like weak or I, a vic you know like she had control well yeah just like as far as like abuse goes like that behavior can again like you said if it never changes and you choose to stay there that can like that just creates an abusive situation but we all abuse on so many different levels every single day we abuse each other mm -hmm. we abuse ourselves we manipulate and it is so innocent we do it all the time it's to be human so yeah i completely disagree with these people like i he broke my heart like i love I'm not going to say I love Bradley Cooper more than Lady Gaga, but I just can't get over his character. And I think that is something, Stacey, you just hit, hit the nail on the head. That's what this film is doing, and this is why it keeps being remade, I think. Isn't necessarily because it has always shown reality, but it has shown pieces of humanity. Those pieces of humanity are evident in this plot, in this storyline, because it's about normalcy, being coveted, and or normalcy rising to supernova. And it's that the dream meets your everyday, right? So I think that says a lot about why 
this film specifically, this iteration is so visceral is because they are tackling really specific um, issues that we need to be talking about more, like addiction, showing it in a realistic light, but then also having that sparkly star-studded backdrop of the music industry, this thing that people still are shooting for. But really, in reality, just like like in like normal every single day life, when something great happens to someone else, it means that it didn't happen to you. It's very basic. It's so human. Yeah. And that's I felt that so captured through the directing because the star-studded quality was the backdrop, and it was about characters. It was micro. It was small. He did so much research for this like lady gaga says that he would be in the studio for like hours and hours and hours and hours just researching like how a studio worked a recording studio just so he Mm -hmm. understood more when it came to the writing element of it and also i know you two probably already know this but for you internet all of those concert scenes were fucking filmed in front of festival crowds like that was all real live Mm -hmm. live live performances they had six minutes to get it and what they got is is what they got (laughs) <laughs> that's incredible it and was it made most of my weeping in the film happen during the performances mm-hmm. like the performances are so good because they were done live you can like feel that as the mm-hmm. viewer and then you cry mm-hmm. a lot yeah that was one of my favorite tidbits will when you I... say your other tidbit about the scene in the truck so sam elliott is dropping off jackson at his house and then jackson is it was after his rehab moment. So he's trying to like be truthful to people he loves. And so he tells him that it was you that I actually revered. It wasn't my father. It wasn't our father. Then he slams the door. That line was improvised. Oh. And so Sam Elliott just like was so deep in this character and he turns around to just back up the car to operate a vehicle. He's not acting and his eyes are just trying to hold in these tears after hearing that for the first time and that was the take that was it oh my gosh i had no idea that was improvised oh my gosh that was one of my favorite moments same and that was just bradley cooper just they were so deep in these characters he just created this space for them to fully dive in to the deep end oh yeah that was that was one of my favorite things that i read from the production getting to see actors take a turn as a director in a film and how they pull and or facilitate these performances from their fellow actors and then how they include others like I felt like it was a mini alias reunion uh, I and know. I loved it <laughs> I know. I <laughs> it, was, that too. it was so much fun uh Greg Grunberg played the driver and he played Eric in alias mm-hmm. and then Ron Rifkin mm-hmm. played Carl the um, AA counselor, mm-hmm. and he played Sloan. I know. I was like, Sloan. Oh, Sloan. oh my gosh. I need to watch Which it. is just so much fun because that is my first, that was my first experience with Bradley Cooper and his little cute little bloodshot tippin. eyes. Will Tippin. He looked so weird. Why did he have bloodshot eyes like the whole time? Is want... he just really addicted? Oh his addiction. God. Oh my God. And alias Cassidy, am... his eyes are so fucked up and he's so like rail thin compared to now. But his eyes were always bloodshot. And I was always like, that's so I nev- weird. Yeah, I never really understood why. I never... And I just loved him so much. I loved him as Will. He was the best reporter, best friend. He was wished the best. Wished he was the lover guy. I loved him. I loved him. him so much. And I just, I think it was so great that he brought his friends along. It's just another piece mm-hmm. of that, of that character 
building character mm-hmm. um, as as actors become directors. And that the doggy was his doggy. <gasps> that is Bradley <laughs> really? Cooper's dog. <gasps> That's why the dog loved him so much at the end is what I think. is Because it's his actual dog. <laughs> do you think they stole that ending from Lost? They were like, you know what makes death really sad? A dog. <laughs> laying well, outside jj abrams did create alias too so maybe oh jj was my like god <laughs> wow, wow wow okay you need to watch alias i really do. know that I'm, i just I live... have it i will loan it to you oh, yeah it's that one, yes, mine <laughs> okay great uh i do i do want to ask i think we have pretty much covered that concept of women's stories versus men's stories and you know it's somewhat divided out in the world right now whether or not this is her story or whether it's his story. And I like the idea that it's a shared story, especially considering ultimately they're sharing matter because the idea is one star has to go out for the other to appear. So it's that whole, nothing can be destroyed or made. It's just shared matter, but science, science, you know, transfer of energy. I loved that right there. (laughs) Well done, Michelle. So I like that. I like holding this film in that capacity. Uh, especially since I don't need some sort of big sweeping scene where Ali is confronting him and telling him all her woes about all his travesties because everyone already is aware, thanks. We don't need to know. They don't need to know. Come on. And we don't need her to rhapsodize about how strong she is. I can just see it. That's fine for me. Awesome. But I do wonder about the idea of the switched billing. So in all of the publications that went out, um, any paper copy or anything that was promoting the film, Bradley Cooper was first, first built. But then in, when, as the credits rolled, Lady Gaga was first. Oh, really? Yes. And hmm. so I was wondering, and that might just be an industry thing that I don't know anything or about. Maybe because he directed or something? Maybe. Because he was the first name technically because he was he the director. He was first built. Oh, yeah. He was first built. As the director, as though. As the director. And then she was the first and built actor. Right. Next, but yeah. in all the other films, the women come first in like on the IMDb, IMDb pages. They're listed first. For A Star is Born, For the, Star previous is Born films? the previous films. So I just, I wondered about Uh, that and I wondered how that had to do, if it said anything about men's stories and women's stories. And I do wonder sometimes if we're getting too fucking obsessed with the idea of not ever being able to talk for each other or communicate on a shared level. But if anyone has been touched by addiction, they know that it's a shared experience and one story is another story and another story is the other story and it all weaves together into this giant quilt of pain and men failing men exactly so it's just like i really i was really intrigued by the idea that the billing changed and whether or not that had anything to do with or impact on people's perceptions of men's stories and women's stories it's kind of like back when sofia coppola's most recent film came out and the credits rolled and Colin's name was first and there were all these beautiful, oh, powerful seriously? women. Oh yeah. And oh, I'm like, are that you just kidding makes me look dislike that movie? Why? Because he laid Even around more. like a wounded soldier while all these women cultivated these dynamic individual He's personas. Like, I'm Colin Farrell. And all these Colin women want to fuck me yeah. right now. Give so me I the just first really spelling. didn't I, I've always been fascinated since then about it. I've been watching closely. So I don't know if you guys noticed. I did not notice. I That's why notice. I love analyzing film with you, Rochelle, because <laughs> I don't pay attention to that kind of shit. I'm like, but did you see her shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I love shoes too. <laughs> I me three. 
<laughs> okay, well, mm. it's just that was a big focal point in the, some of those medium articles that I read as well. It's just people getting so upset about yeah. about this in general. And so I I would like to put a pin in that concept and revisit it maybe in our gear review um, oh. of film and just sort of look back over it because we've talked a lot about men telling women's stories this year and I would love to have an opportunity to, to really reevaluate or just evaluate moving into the next year um, what we've seen, pros and cons, so that we don't become so jaded that we stop listening to profound stories mm-hmm. about really relevant life experiences just because they're gray or they're nuanced or they're subtle and just because it's a star is born and she's the star so why the fuck is it about him well it's about him because they're sharing this life together it's what they chose to do and it's an interesting like social climate right now too you know where it's like all about the ladies but i think it's true we do need to be careful of that and thank Mm -hmm. you bradley cooper for being a beautiful example of what a man can do as a writer to still Include, include and expand. portray, yeah, I was going to say encompass a woman and make her story just as pertinent in the film, billing aside as his was, oh, you yeah. know, and, and he did such a Lady beautiful Gaga. job. Yeah. And she talked, I mean, that is her number one feedback. Like I really haven't heard, she said it in, an, a, she said it in a variety of ways, but her general feedback is he did such a good job creating this like artistic family and listening to other people's feedback and using that feedback in his storytelling that she's like just thankful to be a part of it because he did such a good job like laying down this like family beautiful art foundation i think listening is the key word i think he truly did listen i think that was his role it was a passive role that he took as the director because he was just this sponge he just liked he let it all come to him and it showed, like you said, in the people that got on board, like Alec Baldwin and Lorne Michaels, <laughs> they let them hang out side stage while they're filming. That was the, that was the SNL crew. Alec Baldwin had, you know, one line and then he was gone. It speaks volumes to his character. I, I'm totally dialed into the Me Too movement and very sensitive to it. And I, not one moment was I, was I like, this is a man's, what's this fella doing here? Not once. Yeah, same. It was and, truly equal, and we talk about that too. Like that's feminism. So yeah. what? So what the fuck? Well, because we have reviewed poems. films this year that were like, okay, nice try, fella. Mm-hmm. Move mm-hmm. along. But yeah, I think he did. Just he listened. Yeah, and that's the key. It's not necessarily that because we're different from one another, we can't tell somebody else's story necessarily. It's just like you have to listen and take in with the people who have lived it, or you know whatever angle you're trying to come at you need to listen to them and not just like write it from your own narrow perspective or like what your assumption is on the perspective Mm -hmm. for thinking takeaways at this point i'm just always going to hold the authenticity not even the quest for authenticity but the living life of authenticity that i felt from this film even in the doldrums even in the lowest of lows and the truthfulness and the humility. I felt humility even in the most prideful moments for both Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper because they were being so incredibly vulnerable is what I felt. I felt their vulnerability and I felt within that their humility. So 
that just continues to excite me for future film. And this is a remake. And there are plenty of people who have a lot to say about remakes. But we're not getting it right in life all the time. So I think sometimes remakes are okay because they remind us that we're human. And they also bring us back to what storytelling does. Hopefully it brings us back to truth and humility and authenticity. And reminds us that being vulnerable is going to create bridges. It's going to lessen the boundaries that we have to have with one another because we're going to be able to touch and be connected. Yeah. Reboot vulnerability over and over. I'll watch it because that's so true. You know, I am also exhausted of rebooted stories, but this wasn't a rebooted story. This was an examination of life. And that's why it was so successful. That's my biggest takeaway from it as well is that he built this stage for people to explore new depths, mm-hmm. who they are as people and actors. It was profound and so inspired. And I cannot, I hope that he directs. I I just want to see what he does next. Yeah, I don't have much to add to your takeaways. Just like listen to other people's stories. And, and go see this movie. And go see this movie right now. Get out of the OR. I lied. If Turn off this OR, podcast. Go watch this movie. Yeah, get out of bed. <laughs> And if you hate love stories, it's okay. This is just a human story. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 